What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Degrees Hotter. Welcome back, everybody. We are excited for you guys to listen to this episode. It's kind of a little different than what we've done so far. Yes. So first, we're back as co-hosts. I feel like it's been so long because we had your solo episode and then three guest episodes in a row. So we hope that you enjoyed those types of episodes, but also hope that you're excited to get back to just a normal chatty co-host episode again. Yeah, we saw on some of our Instagram polls that you guys kind of like a mix of everything. So we're going to try our best to do that for you guys. Um, And this is a good start. But just so you know, this, I guess, main episode content section was recorded a while back. So you might Mm -hmm. notice a slight quality difference when that part of the episode starts. But you guys did specify that you wanted to hear more personal anecdotes um, in kind of one of the polls we did on our stories. So make sure you follow us on Instagram to participate in those. And if you want to hear more personal anecdotes, you'll definitely want to stick around for this episode because that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't even think we've said what the episode is yet. We are talking about our experience growing up as competitive dancers. So it's a very reflective episode. But for those of you that don't know, dance is how Anya and I know each other. (laughs) So we met because we went to the same dance studio and competed with the same company. Um, but yeah, like I said, we're using this episode as a chance to just kind of reflect on how growing up as dancers and being so committed to dance really shaped us into who we are today. Yeah. And I feel like listening back kind of in retrospective when we recorded this episode, I feel like we didn't do a good enough job at emphasizing how important dance really was to us. Like it was very truly like our first love the only thing we really ever did from ages like two to 18 like it was like our identifying quality like people just knew us as the dancers (laughs) yeah for sure and like like you said we were doing it from the time that basically you could walk until we graduated high school I competed from the time I was six until I graduated so obviously competing added another layer of commitment to Mm -hmm. it um and so obviously if we were so dedicated to it the good outweighed the bad like we had so much more love than disdain for it but at the same time I think in hindsight you just kind of recognize the negatives a bit more Mm -hmm. um and so take those with a grain of salt like we're not at all trying to allude to dance being a bad background to have come up in because it definitely was not and there's a lot that I think we gained I mean at the very least we gained each other's friendship otherwise we wouldn't Mm -hmm. be sitting here right now um but yeah yeah so it's definitely a reflective one and we think you guys are gonna like it so definitely stick around but before we jump into that let's do our segments So my week in review is a pretty somber one. I just wanted to touch quickly on the tragedy in Beirut, Lebanon. As I'm sure we all know, there was a tragic explosion there. And it just really makes my heart hurt because 2020 has been so hard, especially for the people of Lebanon. If you're not familiar, they were already going through a lot of political and economic turmoil, plus a pandemic, plus this huge humanitarian crisis. So I just cannot imagine and just sending good vibes there. I know According to our analytics, we don't currently have any listeners that live in Lebanon, but if you have family in Lebanon, if you know anyone in Lebanon, um, I just think it's really important for us to 
send our positive energy their way right now because 2020 is brutal, I will say. Yeah, no, what happened in Lebanon is absolutely devastating. So yeah, if anyone is affected by it, either directly or indirectly, we're so sorry for sending you our good thoughts and our positive energy. And hopefully things start to turn around soon because this year is really whipping our asses. (laughs) Yeah. And um, if you guys want to donate, I've seen that kind of the most reliable place to do that is the Lebanon Red Cross. Yeah. Um, And I was actually, I hosted, ironically enough, um, a dance class last night and (laughs) um, collected some donations and they all went there. So if you can just like do something like that with your friends, like just pull your donations and send it. It's really not hard. Um, I just think it'll make a more difference than you think. So. Oh yeah. No amount is too small ever when it comes Mm -hmm. to donating for sure. So for me, mine is definitely less somber, a little more anxiety provoking. (laughs) (laughs) So I start law school two weeks from now. And as a quick warning, I feel like a good chunk of my weekend reviews probably until like the end of September are going to be revolved around starting law school, adjusting to law school, because my whole life is about to become law school. So I apologize in advance if you're like, we get it, Kylie, like you're going to law school. You've said it <laughs> a billion times, but it's what I'm going through, okay? Um, so we have uh, a week-long orientation that's completely online. And because it's online, they've given us some of the orientation material to just complete beforehand. So that way, in theory, we can spend less time on Zooms or we're not spending like actually nine to five on zoom because i'm pretty sure that in-person orientation is legitimately nine to five mm-hmm. monday through friday so i appreciate that because i don't want to spend eight hours a day on zoom that sounds like a nightmare but we've been given like modules essentially to work through and you know i remember college orientation being like here's like where the dining hall is and like yeah here <laughs> is where like you do your laundry and you're like oh my god i can't wait to be a college student Now they're like, this is how you read like a lawyer and this is what a case brief is and this is how you are successful in your classes. And I'm literally like, okay, yeah, sure. Case briefing, love that. Super good at it. You're not going to tell me where the late night snacks are available? (laughs) I'm like, but but where is the social? Like, what are the clubs that I can join? They're like, no, what is the rule of the case? I'm like, I just don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I – don't get me wrong. Like, I know what I'm getting myself into. I hope anyone that's starting law school knows what they're getting themselves into because, spoiler alert, it's going to be a crap ton of work. And I get that. But it's happening. Like, I feel yeah. like Michael Scott in that episode of The Office where I don't remember what's happening, but there's, like, a really funny, like, meme of it. And he's going, it's happening. It's happening. Yes, I know what you're <laughs> That's me with this. I'm like, oh, my – because it's just been such an anticipation I'm yeah. like, hey, I'm applying to law school. Okay, I got into law school. Okay, I set my deposit. I am going to start law school. And now I'm like, oh my God, like I'm in the process of starting it because I've already started doing orientation. And I just personally feel like so much pressure not to fail. And no one's putting that pressure on me. It's entirely myself. <laughs> but I'm like, oh my God, like I can't, like I have to succeed at this no matter what, like fight tooth and nail to succeed at this right now and yeah it's just still I'm the type of person that like my least favorite time of school is the first week because I just get very overwhelmed yeah I'm the same way yeah getting your syllabus and seeing everything that you have to do 
in the semester seems so overwhelming. And then by the second, third week, I realize that everything is spaced out and achievable and it's fine. But I'm in the phase of like, oh my God. Yeah, I agree because I feel like everyone, you know, they're like silly week, like hee hee. But I was always yeah. like so like anxious, like just like trying to write all the deadlines in my planner. Like I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> Except this time around, there's not many deadlines to write because literally every class is like, hee hee, final exam. That's your whole grade. I'm like, oh, <laughs> awesome. I'll start studying now then. But that's like, that's what case briefing is. It's like literally creating, like you have to case brief and you have to outline all throughout the semester. And then you just smush it all together and then condense it into everything that you need to know for the final. So like the second you start law school, you're studying for your final. And I'm like, yeah, this is brand new. I'm like, what happened to reading books in undergrad? Like I like that. (laughs) Where's my Socratic (laughs) seminar? (laughs) Legit. So, but I'm sure everything will be fine. I hope everything will be fine. I guess we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, I can see why it's top of mind, but I'm sure in a month from now you'll say, wow, look at how achievable all these things are. Yeah, that's the hope. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe something like that. (laughs) Something like that. All right, let's hop into our favorites. So my favorite for this week is Taylor Swift's documentary. It's called Miss Americana on Netflix. And I feel like it just really helped me gain a new level of respect for her. Um, I think I kind of rejected the idea of liking Taylor Swift back in the day because I kind of associated with her being basic. But we are deprogramming that, ladies, because calling things basic because other girls like them is misogyny embedded. So um, I'm really giving her a chance now and I'm recognizing how much I've missed out all these years because she really kind of dives into her issues with body image, her sexual assault case, and her entry to like political advocacy. And there's a moment where she's talking about wanting to get involved in the midterm elections in 2018, but like really having not spoken out politically before. And it just like made me want to cry, like realizing how to use her following for positive change. Um, And also her new song with Bonnie Vare is Fire. It's actually what I did my class to last night that I taught. So yeah, I just, um, I'm getting a lot more respect for her and I definitely recommend watching that movie, even if you're not familiar with her because it was really good. Yeah, I watched this a few months back, honestly, and I never like wasn't interested in Taylor Swift because I thought she was basic. I always like liked a few of her songs, but I just always like associated her with like all of the drama with like Kanye West Kanye, and then yeah. Calvin Harris. And I was like, I don't really know what this chick is up to and I don't. I'm not going to look into it. And then this documentary also really did a 180 for me. And I was like, oh, wait, like, she's actually wicked cool. (laughs) And you're like, she's actually the victim. Like, the victim of, like, general, like, sexism and sexual assault. Like, all of this stuff she's been through so much. And I think she really has grown into such a great role model. So now I'm like, okay, like, if a bunch of young girls are going to be into her, like, that's awesome. Because she's a, like, genuinely good person. Uh, and also the Bonnie Bear song is just chef's kiss. So good. So good. Um, for me, mine is pretty simple. I've been watching a lot of YouTube recently and I have really been liking Natalie Barbu's videos. I've been subscribed to her for a while now, but she does a lot of like my different streams of income, how much I made on YouTube. And she actually recently did a my favorite YouTubers video. Yeah, I saw that. Emphasized all she called them small and she like skirted around that because she didn't mean it in like a sense of like I don't know. A following is a following 
no matter how big or small. So she didn't want to like demean anyone in that sense. But what she meant is like less than a hundred thousand subscribers. Mm-hmm. And I went to each channel because she recommended like 10. And there were some that had like less than a thousand subscribers. And she's like, I watch every single video. And I just think that's really cool for someone with like a significant platform to empower. Ha- yeah, empower. And it was all women. So mm-hmm. yeah, she was just empowering small creators that she was like, hey, these girls are killing it. Like everyone should be watching them go blow them up. And literally after every single one, she was like, so go over to the channel and blow them up. And I was like, yeah. So a lot of empowering women in this episode. Yeah, I like her a lot. And I'm not like, I don't religiously watch her, but every video of hers that yes. I've seen, I like. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I just feel like I've fallen a bit down a rabbit hole with her and watched a few of her videos. And I was like, yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, let's hop into our main episode content about dance. Heck yeah. So like we mentioned, we're just going to talk about us as dancers. I figured we could start with the background of kind of what type of dance we did and how often and whatever. So... We were talking about this before, and I would say that, like, from a commitment standpoint, dance is, like, a part-time job. On, like, the absolute worst weeks, or I won't even say worst weeks, so that sounds bad, but, like, the busiest weeks, we were in the studio probably upwards of 20 hours, and there might have even been times where it was, like, more than 20 hours. But I have, like, vivid memories of being at the studio from, like, 3.30 in the afternoon until, like, 9 at night sometimes after school, and not even counting, like, Saturdays and Sundays where we could have all day rehearsals. I don't know if you you share the same memory as me or if I'm being dramatic. No, that's definitely true. And um, our normal, like, it's interesting because sports have seasons, and people would always ask me, like, what season is dance? You know, like, people would only have to play their sport for, like, a couple of months, and it would be really intense, but it would only last yeah. that part of the year. But dance isn't like that. Like we would, we would dance year round basically. So like September Mm -hmm. to December was like preparing for competition. January through, I don't know, April was competition. And then after that was like recitals. And then the summer was like intensive. So people would go to like camps and like dance in like train very intensely over the summer. So like there literally was no break. Like it was a year round thing and it was always really intense. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, missing some high school events because of it, which, like, I don't know. I was never, like, super, super obsessed with, like, the football games or anything like that. But I, I just didn't get to go that often. So, like, I think that was part of it. Yeah, I don't think I went to a football game at my school until, like, my senior year. And that I went to, like, one because it was, like, the very, very beginning of the school year and, class, and dance class hadn't started yet. But it's definitely, like, it's not a at least competitive dance isn't yes a light a light task it's definitely it was I think for everyone that was on our team that was probably like the main big resume standout when we were like in college was like hi I've danced like literally every available second that I had yeah um and I feel like a lot of people when I say that I dance like the first thing they think is ballroom I don't know if you have that too yeah but like (laughs) like, no (laughs) so to clarify we did like I don't even, I don't know. I just think of it like as competitive, traditional competitive dance, which was like ballet bass. um, And then we would also do like jazz, modern, contemporary, hip hop, point, tap, lyrical, like, yeah. And I feel like we were most heavy, our studio at least was like most focused on modern, um, contemporary and jazz, I feel like. Yeah, I would say, I mean, 
we probably took the most ballet classes because like you said a lot of competitive dance is ballet based so that's like the foundation but yeah I would say we put a lot of emphasis on jazz modern and contemporary I know I tapped until I graduated but was it you that's never taken a tap class yeah I never tapped (laughs) I think it's because like so I moved so when I moved to yeah like it wasn't a big thing in my old studio and then I moved to where we went and it was just like too late for me to ever get good enough to like catch up with people so I just like never tried (laughs) it also wasn't I don't think it was required at all like because we were on the competitive team for our studio we were required to take certain classes and tap was never one of them yeah, I think so, it was like tap, tap and like tap and acro were the only like non-required yeah. genres. Maybe hip hop too. And point actually. Yeah. Point. Yeah, I was going to say cuz I quit point after 2 years because anyone that knows anything about point, you're literally dancing on a wooden block and I was like, "Um, you know, I think 2 years of that is totally fine. I'm totally good with that." <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess normally like as far as the types of dances we competed with you would normally be in like several large group dances and then some small group dances and then a duo duo or a trio and then one or two solos on top of all your regular technique training and also learning your recital dances so basically like yeah we were always learning choreography and like always refining choreography um so it made for a lot of time spent at that building <laughs> yeah um with that I feel like when a lot of people think of like competitive dance they definitely think of like dance moms like Mm -hmm. I know I've gotten asked like was your studio like dance moms and I'm like um no (laughs) it definitely was not like dance moms obviously is a show and it's like very fabricated I hate to break it to you if you didn't realize that um but we definitely were committed like I think we've driven that point home like it's a lot of work and a lot of um hours spent and I think we definitely were competitive too like that's just if your studio is going to compete at competitions that's just kind of by nature how how it's going to be yeah I don't know if you agree yeah I also feel like at least my my parents like were really kind of as distant as I feel like they could have been from the whole dance world like they would come to my competitions and like support me and come to recital and whatever but they weren't really like in the cohort of like parents necessarily whereas I feel like your family was obviously more involved because your mom actually worked at the studio so she like knew everybody and yeah yeah my mom so my mom still works at the studio actually and worked there the entire time I danced there and so I mean my mom was never like I wouldn't call her a dance mom she wasn't like backstage being like you better nail that triple pirouette in your solo Kylie I swear to god um but she was she saw our classes like a lot of times you would see her like standing at the door watching class like when she had like a little downtime at work and she definitely knew her stuff when it came to dance like yeah almost technique I'm like okay (laughs) she'd be like your turnout today is absolutely horrendous and I'm like it's actually horrendous every day but thank you for putting it up (laughs) yeah um so I think we like got really close with our cohort like the people that kind of tended to be in our classes I feel like Mm-hmm. most of most of like your groupings for classes and dances and stuff like that would be based on your age but also obviously to an extent based on like your technique and skill level so for the most mm-hmm. part it would be people around the same age with a couple like older or younger outliers um yeah but I feel like with like with anything else you couldn't really help but having like slight clicks internally for sure and Anya and I ran in the same click <laughs> and that's why we're here <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> 
Um, and I will say, like, my our dance teachers were, like, very impactful people on our lives. And I feel like yeah. if there's, like, one thing that I take away from the whole experience is, like, I'm very grateful for the relationships that I had with them because they're kind of, like, I don't know, like, second, third, fourth, fifth moms, you know, like, you spend so much time with them and yeah. they really see you grow up. Like, they really see you grow up. Yeah. Yeah. And some, I think some of the best conversations I had growing up just as a a woman <laughs> were with my dance teachers because they do they see you grow up they know you and I'll kind of get into it later in the episode but um they're really great like role models I think to have when you're yeah. growing up especially in a, a bit of a a crazy industry if you want to call yeah it. <laughs> and we were also lucky enough that one of our like main dance teachers was actually also a life coach shout out Sandy yeah. so like shout we would just get the Sandy. best advice from her and She's like pretty well known in the dance world because everyone just loves her. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we definitely were. We didn't have like Abby Lee Miller teachers at all. Like I think our teachers were yeah, no. like the best part basically of, of uh, our dance experience. So, yeah. but yeah, I feel like that's a good like baseline of what our our dance background was. And yes. so now we can kind of get into like things we struggled with at the time that we were mm-hmm. dancing like at our highest rigor, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I wanted to start with just like comparison across the board. Um, and I feel like this is just something that like naturally occurs when you're in a room with everyone doing the same exact exercise and like you're naturally trying to do it the best. And that's like the nature of of the sport. Like it's interesting because like there's not like necessarily direct winners and losers in dance. There's just winners and to an extent everybody else. And I feel like yeah. that breeds kind of a weird mentality <laughs> because like you don't you don't often lose, you just don't win, <laughs> which is like not any better. Yeah. But yeah, it's not like as binary as like other sports where it's like one team wins, one team loses. It's like a number of teams do well and then everyone else just kind of like doesn't know, like doesn't hear back. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. Has no exactly. sense. Um so yeah, I feel like it's kind of tough. Yeah, and I would say um kind of to your point like not only are you like with people doing the same exact like exercises, especially like in, I'm thinking in the classroom setting, but also you're with the same people. Like like we talked about, there's that cohort. You're normally taking class and having rehearsals with this more or less the same group of people. And so year after year, like even noticing like, oh, so-and-so like got an aerial this year and like I can't do an aerial. And you're like, well, when she whips that out in her solo, she's going to wipe the floor with me at competition like what's the point I'm just I remember like little things like that and obviously yeah you know comparison a large extent of it is in your head and kind of like learning and growing to not compare yourself is yeah hard but it's something that like you kind of have to do and I feel like honestly it's something that like we as dancers learn to do at a younger age than like most girls do but mm-hmm. I don't know you're literally looking in a mirror and everyone's wearing the same thing and everyone's doing the same thing, but like everyone's going to look a little different. So you start noticing those like intricacies and like you just can't help. Yeah. But like compare yourself to the people next to you. And like obviously sometimes it's a good thing and it can help you to like be better if you say like, oh, I really like the way she did this part of the dance. Like I'm going to incorporate that next time. But oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes it's like a little <laughs> toxic or like discouraging. And like there would be times when like, it definitely wouldn't be anyone's intention, but like certain people would get 
solo parts in dances all the time and you'd be like oh like I noticed she keeps getting solo parts like we don't get solo parts and I don't know you just you yeah. start noticing stuff like that so it's tough so kind of going off of the comparison thing is body image um this is something that I honestly really struggled with especially being a dancer and looking back in hindsight I think it was like a really big negative with my dance experience so I have like never been someone who's naturally very thin I'm also not like naturally very heavy like I'm the like quintessential like average body type I think um like your medium-sized girl just walking around but obviously growing up most of the girls in our class I'd say were like string beans especially when we were like you know 10 11 12 like before really hidden puberty there's just like string beans and I remember being around that age when I first noticed like hey I'm kind of bigger than everyone else in my classes and I have this really really distinct memory of we were trying on a costume for a number that we were doing and it was like a leotard and we were when we were going to perform the dance we were going to wear tights with the leotard but we were just trying them on in class and when we were doing like a jazz class we very rarely wore tights unless we had like a like ballet or something before that we had to be wearing tights but so we were trying on the costume in class and I remember like everyone kind of like running around in their costume being like oh my god it's so cute it's so cute and I just kind of like stared at myself and I was like my legs are literally ginormous and everyone else's are like actually not touching at all like if they literally stood with their feet together like their thighs wouldn't touch and I was just so conscious of the fact that mine did and I was like maybe 12 but I think I was more like 10 or 11 and then I just kind of I don't maybe it was all in my head but growing up in it like there was one moment where I originally wanted to be a physical therapist, which is like anyone who knows me now is like such a crazy <laughs> That's idea. So <laughs> random. <laughs> it's so my brother's a physical therapist. So it was when he started school and I was like, That's so cool. Like I wanna be exactly like my brother. I'm gonna do physical therapy. <laughs> but we, we got over that really quick. But for a second I did. And so I took a class in athletic training at my high school because it was offered and it focused a lot on like uh the anatomy of like athletes and like injury and thing like that and I was like oh okay cool and I had to do a project for it that involved something at dance I don't remember exactly what it was and a girl that we were dancing with asked me like oh like what are you doing that for I was like oh I'm in athletic training at school but I was like oh I'm in this athletic training class and I remember her turning to the girl that she was sitting next to and being like yeah I have no idea why she would be in that class and I don't know if she meant it towards my weight but I didn't really know how else to take it I guess you can weigh in and be like Kylie that doesn't sound like that's what she was implying at all but I low-key was like hmm okay I mean like it's none of your business why like anyone is taking any class anyway um I'm trying to like narrow down in my head who this was you'll have to tell me after I'm curious I have a feeling I know Um, but um yeah and maybe like Maybe I'm just forgetting certain context. All I remember is her making a comment like that and me feeling like it was in Mm -hmm. some way, like kind of attacking my weight. And then on a more positive note, though, like I feel like I got honestly the heaviest I've ever been senior year of high school and then going into freshman year of college, um, which I feel like is honestly pretty normal for most girls. But 
I just remember being very conscious of it. And I remember having a conversation with our dance teacher, Sandy, because I was really upset for whatever reason was having like a really low body day. And I remember her telling me, you know, when you go off to college, you're going to realize that not everyone is stick thin. She was like, you've grown up in an environment where everyone is stick thin. And so, of course, you're noticing that like you're a bit different. And she was like, and that's not a bad thing. Like you're not, you're not fat. You're very healthy. You're just not a stick and that's fine. And I like remember showing up to college and like, especially now I look back at like all the friends I've made and all the people that I've met. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm a very average sized person and I know I'm healthy and I know I take care of myself. And that comment that she made really sticks with me. Cause I think that when you're surrounded by a bunch of people with dancer bodies, literally while you're growing up, like in the worst time of your life, it takes a toll on you. So yeah, I just rambled for a while, but <laughs> that, that's my scoop. Yeah. I think for me, a lot of the body image stuff, well, at the time, I think it was less centered around weight for me. Uh, but it, that it got to that point, like when I graduated actually, which I can talk about a little bit, but, um, I think for me, it was more just like, I didn't have a lot of qualities that dancers like the ideal dancer would have. So there's just like certain mm-hmm. physical attributes that are like ideal for specifically like ballet dancers, but it kind of translates to all of dance. So like long legs, short torso, good turnout with your legs. Um, so like, for example, I have like really bad turnout. I have scoliosis actually. So I have like a curved spine. Um, I'm bow-legged. So like there are just lots of aspects that weren't specifically like made for me to dance and like for me to exceed as a dancer, like my extensions would just never look as good as other people's because my legs weren't built to look like that, which like in normal life, I bet I wouldn't have even noticed something like that because it's not like medically, I don't know, recognized or anything like that. It's not to that extent, but like in dance, I would Mm -hmm. always notice that like my legs wouldn't straighten enough, like things like that. Um, But I think like from the weight perspective, I didn't really struggle with that until I left dance and I started to notice my body changing a little bit as a result of not being like, basically a pre-professional athlete for 20 plus hours a week like it's very natural for you to like I don't know like shift to a more normal body basically like to not be like 95% muscle (laughs) Um, and I think like my freshman year I really really struggled with like looking different than I had and it was really hard for me to recognize that like even though I had only been a year I had made like a drastic lifestyle shift basically And, like, I still look back at pictures of myself freshman year and I'm, like, why was I worried? Like, I basically didn't look any different. But, like, to me, I looked so different and I felt like I had no muscle tone. I was, like, so self-conscious. But, like, you just – I don't know. I I look back and I'm, like, you couldn't couldn't dance like that forever. Like, unless you became a professional dancer, like, you were never going to exercise to that extent, like, ever again in your life, basically. (laughs) Like, it's just not practical. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like that was kind of my my experience with it came a little later. Uh, But I just feel like it's natural, like – you said like in your formative years you're literally in a mirror in like minimal clothing staring at yourself all day like you're gonna have negative thoughts about yourself whether it's your weight or like your figure or like your spine or like just anything um so the next category we wanted to talk about is kind of like friendship dynamics and how things tend to go in the studio um so I feel like dance is unique because you are expected to both be part of a team but also to be a soloist and that switch can happen like within the same day within the same hour within the same like five minutes sometimes so like I think needing to be a soloist one second and then needing to be a team member the next second and just like the different 
kind of mental aspects that come with either of those roles can be challenging. Yeah. And I think that dance is just such a unique sport in the fact that like you compete against your team and with your team all in the same breath. Like when you think of like a basketball game, like you're never competing against your teammates. Otherwise you would just flat out lose. Like that's Mm -hmm. the whole point is teamwork. And with dance, like when you're in groups or even duos and trios, like teamwork is essential in order to do well with the routine. But literally five minutes later, you could be competing against the same, you know, two girls that you have a trio with in your solo. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's very interesting because you're like, I don't know what to do here. It's very weird. Um, And I feel like it kind of translates to sometimes not wanting your close friends to succeed because you want to advocate for yourself, which is like really messed up in retrospect. But like, I think it was so true. Like I would have such good friends around me and dance, but like I would still secretly hope that I did better than them, of course. And like, yeah. I mean, I would be happy for them when things happened for them, but then I would say, like, why couldn't that have happened for me? So I just think it's, like, it's – we luckily didn't struggle with it too much at our studio, I don't think, but I think it can be, like, grounds for very toxic friendships and kind of, like, toxic mindsets. But luckily, like, I think our our studio did a pretty good job at making sure that we were never like that towards each other. Like, even if anyone had those thoughts, I felt like they were pretty internalized. Like, nobody, like, expressed that to each other. But I think everyone kind of was always thinking it. (laughs) Oh, I I think it's natural. Like, you almost can't help but think it because, like, you're competing. And if you're competing against something, if you're putting this much time and effort into something, of course, at least a small part of you wants to be the one that wins. And no one likes not being the one that wins. Um, But it definitely was learning to, like, not... Um, I guess like hold grudges. I don't know if that's the right like way to put yeah, it. Yeah, like let it affect your relationships with them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think there was also like an interesting level of seniority in our studio, and like that could kind of affect yeah. your relationship with people. I don't know if this is true for all dance studios, but like for us, at least when we were younger, like there was a big emphasis placed on like always letting the older girls be in the front always letting them like lead Mm -hmm. the exercises like it was very like silently communicated almost that that was the way things worked (laughs) yeah and it was like a kind of a big deal if someone like came in and I don't know just disrespected that that sounds so dramatic Uh, (laughs) like but I just remember like one time being in class and the teacher being like why are there literally all like young kids at the front of this classroom like go to the back (laughs) and bring the older kids like come forward Uh, but yeah, if you if you're a dancer, let us know if that's kind of like what the dy- dynamic you had at your studio was because I'm interested to see if it was just us or if that's like a a universal thing. Um, the last thing I'll say on this though is that your high school didn't have a dance team, right? Yeah, no, we like kind of tried to start one, but it was never like as big as it was at your school. Yeah, so I my school had a dance team. I danced on it, and obviously some girls from our studio went to my high school but obviously our studio wasn't like the only one in the area so there were plenty of girls on our dance team that went to other studios so it was definitely interesting to like show up competition weekend and see like someone that like you go to school with and dance at school with there with their studio and you're like huh like so we're in the same category today like that's funny (laughs) and then like (laughs) show up to school on monday and they're like huh like that was fun this past weekend wasn't it 
You're so like yeah, nice high silver. <laughs> you're like, mm. no, most of the time they were probably saying that about me. Oh, it's so good. You you definitely deserve the gold, but like a high silver is nothing to be ashamed of. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks. Uh, I guess we can explain like in dance, you get a medal standing no matter what. So like the fact that you got yeah. gold doesn't mean that you're like first place of everybody. It's like everyone will always get a medal standing from like bronze to platinum, but then you'll mm. also get ranked on like your score so there will also be like a top like 10 so that's what I was saying like you and like maybe 10 other people could have all gotten high gold but you might have not been in the top 10 because like you placed high enough to get a high gold but you didn't place high enough to score on that metric but if that makes like sense the highest scoring high gold <laughs> exactly yeah so like it almost felt like if you didn't get recognition you you lost but like you never really lose because like you never get nothing you always get a score which I guess yeah, is good. but you always but... do. Like, if you got the high gold, you're like, oh, my God, I could place. If you got the gold, you're like, maybe, but, like, maybe not. If you got the high silver, you're like, mom, we're going home with you tonight. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, you're, you'll have judges that are from your area or, like, sometimes not, but normally they were kind of, like, from the area. And you're supposed yeah. to be, like, unbiased based on the studios like they would have studio codes actually so they would say like studio code c instead of like the the studio you were from but like Mm -hmm. they kind of knew like they would see the same people in different dances and like you could deduce what studio was studio c when like at awards everyone had the jackets on like that was such bs like there was no yeah there was no like unbiased with that anyway i digress (laughs) (laughs) but so moving in this i feel like i can't really speak to too much but i feel like it is worth mentioning that a major like con I guess of dance is that it is flipping expensive yeah. <laughs> like so expensive and my parents paid for dance up until I graduated which I'm obviously very grateful for because like I said it's very expensive but like yeah we would drop I don't even actually I don't even want to know how much money we would drop each year to go to dance well, there was just a lot of things to pay for. So, like, you pay tuition to the studio in order to take classes and learn and, like, develop yeah. your technique. So that's, like, one thing. Then you have to pay competition fees and also choreography fees to do mm-hmm. a solo. So, like, you have to pay to, like, enroll in the competition, basically. And we would do, like, how many competitions a year? God knows. Like, so those build yeah. up. And then you also have to pay to have a solo choreographed, which, like, we were paying our dance teachers. So, like, obviously we wanted to reward their work but like it's not cheap to choreograph either um and then you would have to pay for costumes for your dance which were I'm gonna get into costumes a little bit after this but um so expensive and then there would often be like conventions or like other travel-based things where like your whole family would have to get like a hotel room like it was just very lots and lots of different aspects of like payment involved and like I feel like it's not a very accessible craft to like all different socioeconomic levels which is really upsetting yeah yeah especially like even down to like leotards tights point so shoes. true don't even get me started about yeah point shoes, point point shoes are like a like hundred bucks yeah. yeah and you go through them like what two to three weeks if you're doing point pretty intensely yeah it's crazy um, um so yeah that i wanted to bring up costumes specifically though because looking back like Costumes are so wasteful. They're so expensive. You have, like, how many costumes would we bring to a competition? Like, 15. Like, literally so many. (laughs) Um, And, like, sometimes our studio would 
get like store-bought costumes which was always helpful like they would go to like forever 21 and everyone would just get like the same cute dress or whatever which was always appreciated but we definitely had some expensive costumes that got worn like maybe five times and then like sat in a closet and collected dust um so that's like really expensive and like environmentally not great like I'm sure there's like lots of fast fashion involved in dance costumes and like the sizes aren't inclusive like I just think it's a pretty problematic industry (laughs) yeah no I completely agree and again like I talked about before like costumes again it's just another way especially when they're like yelling out your sizes they're like okay smalls like so-and-so 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 like you got a small and I'm just sitting there like, do, 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 I'll be the last one called if they're going in this order. <laughs> like, that's fine. In a way, it's unavoidable, but it's still like, isn't fun. <laughs> yeah. So. The next one I feel like we could have talked about earlier. Like, we could have grouped this with an earlier topic. But um, mm-hmm. basically just like jealousy. So it kind of goes along with comparison. Um, but I just feel like, so I recently learned the definition of like jealous versus envious. I think this might mm-hmm. actually be envy that we're talking about um but basically like when your friends would have two solos and you would only have one solo it's like you're comparing yourself to them but like you're envious of them having two solos because it gives them another opportunity to win with it and to like redeem themselves or whatever um yeah that's like my biggest memory because I remember it took me a, a while I got a I got a second solo like later than other people it was kind of like a privilege to get two um yeah and I remember just, like, always being so sad that I only had one, which, like, relax, you know? Like, it's not that big of a deal. But I remember just being so jealous yeah. of everybody that got to do a solo twice. Yeah, if it helps. I don't think I did two solos until senior year. So, and I don't, I really don't remember if I just didn't get offered or if I declined or what the, the scoop was. But I agree. It's kind of like, oh, I wonder when... Like, you just see it, like, this person got offered, this person got offered, this person got offered. You're like, I wonder where my name is on that list, and mm-hmm. but it'll ever see the light of day. Um, but I know me specifically, so when I first started doing solos, I want to say I was, like, 10, but I don't remember exactly. But I remember that my first solo was a tap solo, and I did two tap solos, so that year and then the year afterwards. And like I said, tap was optional at our studio, and I feel like it was not taboo, but, like, if anyone needed to, like, drop their, like, load, that sounds terrible. That's not what I meant. <laughs> reduce their schedule. Like, if anyone needs to, like, yeah, to, like, reduce their schedule, tap would, like, be the, one of the first ones gone. And I just remember, like, everyone else had lyric solos and I – or a jazz solo and I had a tap solo. And I was like, what the freak? Like, why do they think I can't do a lyric solo? Like, this is so embarrassing. And it's because I was – flipping good at tap like that's why they gave me a tap solo I was good at it I was placing with my tap solos but I was like no I want a lyric solo and finally my teacher was like okay fine and guess what I wasn't as good at lyric solo so it all went <laughs> downhill from there so just like letting jealousy like I needed to know my strengths and granted I was 10 so like I don't have the concept of that but yeah it's just it's crazy to me that I let like I don't know. Like, it's almost like a societal standard within the dance studio dictate my life. (laughs) I also feel like in, I think all studios are like this, is like all the decision-making power rests with the teachers, basically, and like with the studio owners. It's a business, right? Like, they have to make calculated decisions and they have to like do what's right for like the greater utilitarian group and whatever. Like, if someone was going to like drag down the piece, like they wouldn't do that. But like, 
I just remember feeling like I was so distant from like all the decisions and I was always just like jealous of when people were placed in those groups and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. So then I would say our last kind of, um, I guess it's not a struggle, but it's definitely a major flaw with the dance industry as a whole is dance is a very whitewashed sport. Um, I feel like with the Black Lives Matter movement, it's really important to point this out. And I know I've seen a few things on social media pointing it out, but dance and ballet in general is just predominantly white and um, it's not good. It's definitely an area that needs to be diversified and I saw and we can link it in the show notes I watched a video from a girl named Luna Montana on YouTube who is a dancer and she did a really beautiful video where she interviewed I want to say like five or six um black professional dancers about their experiences with racism in the dance industry and it was such a well done and eye-opening video so we'll be sure to link that so you can watch that because I think she did a better job than I could of explaining um this like issue with the industry but yeah yeah there's a lot of like historical I don't know reasons that it's like this and like people have a lot of like historical empathy for that which is just like not right like for example like (laughs) ballerinas wear white tights and light pink shoes because the only ballerinas were white but like that's not the case anymore like I remember there we had like a black friend at the studio and like she had to wear white tights like that's so messed up. Like, that's not... Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, like, people... It just, it's just so ingrained, like... Yeah, and I'm sure it deters, like, young black girls and boys from wanting to dance because, like, I don't know, I wouldn't feel wanted if I noticed that everyone else's tights match their skin color except for mine. You know what I mean? Like, I can, I just can't imagine. And, like, you're just literally putting on tights to be whiter. Like, yeah. I don't know, just the concept is so so wrong in retrospect and it's still so So normalized like it's still like that that's just like the standard of like a beautiful costume still which is like so bad and I hope like I hope strides are made like in the greater context of the Black Lives Matter movement I hope strides are also made in the dance industry because it's just not right and there are like some iconic um dancers of color and there's like the Alvin Ailey um institute Mm -hmm. and like there's so many like amazing organizations that are doing their best for people of color in dance but yeah it's just it ain't it (laughs) yeah no so I know I saw a petition going around social media and I want to say it was calling for block which is like a dancewear company to start producing and selling um point shoes that reflect different skin tones um so I'll try to find that and any other petitions kind of relating to it because I do I think it's so long overdue and I don't understand how it's 2020 and we haven't at least introduced different colored tights like it doesn't seem yeah complicated of an idea to me so definitely sign that and support that in the show notes so now we're going to transition to some things we've learned um as a result of dance and also like going to college and just kind of how how the experience has like shaped us um so I will say one thing and I feel like we've kind of touched upon this but dance can really feel like a bubble you're spending nearly all of your free time with the same people doing the same thing day after day, week after week, year after year. And it really starts to feel like there's like nothing else outside of that. Um, But obviously, so much exists 
outside of the world of dance like so so much even beyond just the comment that my dance teacher made to me in regard to my weight like there's so much that you can do to be creative outside of dance and there's also so much you can do outside of competitive dance to still use dance as like a creative outlet and an art form and I think that especially towards the end at least for me I don't know if it was just like fatigue from how intense our training was up until we graduated but I kind of like forgot that dance really was like an art first and foremost not just like something that I had to go to every single night and every single weekend my whole life um so coming out of it in hindsight um you really can't get caught up in the competitiveness of it all and the comparison of it all And I think some of the most like successful dancers are the ones that just truly deeply at their core, love it as an art and want to get better for themselves. I don't know if you agree or anything. Yeah, definitely. I think you said all of that well. And I feel like at the end of the day, even if you don't get the same awards or the recognition or, Mm -hmm. you know, the spotlight that other people get, everyone has their on and off days. And it doesn't mean that you're not talented or that like dance isn't for you. I think. I think everyone that wants to dance can dance and it doesn't need to be this mm-hmm. like insane, like dedicate your life to it like it was for us. And I think yeah, obviously like we are exiting with like certain pros and cons of that lifestyle. But like, yeah, I guess we can talk about like college and our transition away from this world. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, I went to a small school. And so we had like a relatively small dance program, but we basically had three levels to our dance program. So there was like the club level that like was purely recreational like you just showed up for classes and that was it we had our game team level which um, was a bit more rigorous of a commitment because we performed at sports games and then there was the competitive level that uh, there wasn't like solos or anything like that competed at the collegiate level but you competed as a team Um, and I had the option to compete and I ultimately chose not to and I kept saying that like my mentality was really like a been there done that I knew what it was like to be a competitive dancer I had been doing it at that point for like 12 years or something like that because I think I started competing when I was six so I was like I know what that's like I kind of want to see what it's like to dance almost just for the sake of dancing and like do it from that standpoint and I genuinely think that's like one of the best decisions that I've ever made for myself in school but also myself and my relationship with dance Because it allowed me to like avoid rehashing those things that we talked about struggling with just for the sake of competing, if that makes sense. Because I think a lot of things that we struggled with ended up being because we were competitive and because we were competitive, we were more um, like rigorously trained, had more hours, so on and so forth. And that leads to everything. But once dance became like a truly a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? like a leisurely activity for me. I like a hobby. Was able to like take a step. Yeah, a hobby. Thank you. Um, I was able to take a step back and like relax and just enjoy it for what it is. And yeah, it was low commitment. It was low stakes and it was like the perfect amount for me. And I want to say a quick shout out to um, Coach Ashley. She was our coach from my freshman to junior year. And then um, my friend Noella, took over and she was great as well but obviously I took the bulk of my um years at Assumption were with coach Ash and she literally had so much faith in me she was always so sweet to me 
And so like just this is gonna sound so dramatic, but going to college and being under her like team was the first time I actually ever felt talented. Like I can't remember a time where I actually thought like, oh, I'm a good dancer at our studio. And that's not like to knock our studio at all. I don't think it was anything necessarily done there. But I remember being at school and thinking like, maybe I am good at this. Like maybe I do have a talent when it comes to this. And I'm, you know, by no means the best dancer in the world. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah, she was just, maybe it was just something about her, those words of affirmation, man, they clicked with me. So (laughs) that's kind of my college experience in a nutshell. Yeah. So I feel like for me, it was interesting because I was really, really afraid to leave dance. Like I felt like it was the only thing I'd ever done. And like, I had invested so much time and just like the thought of leaving something that I had dedicated so much of my life to was scary. And I remember when I got to my first semester of study abroad, I actually like auditioned for several dance groups at McGill, which was like the host university we were at. And I actually like had a breakdown when I got into one of them because I didn't know what to do because I wanted to keep dancing so badly. And, but I was in this foreign country to like have an experience and like explore it and like go on those weekend trips and like do all these like study abroad type of things. And if I had joined this group, it was for like people that went to McGill full time. So it was just kind of like not aligned. And like, I thought about it for so long. And I remember like calling Grant and like crying and being like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, Anna, like, you're not there to dance. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, just take the semester off and like, like do study abroad stuff. And I was like, I can't. Like, I was so stressed about it. Um, And I ended up not. And so that was like the first, that was like the first series of months, like ever, basically, that I didn't dance. Um. And then when I got to Northeastern, I decided to join the dance company at school. So it was like showcase and performance based. We didn't do competitions, but I did have a lot of options at Northeastern that I could have chosen from. So there was like a hip hop, very, very like amazing competitive hip hop team, which like I'm not, I'm not that cool, um, but they're so good. And there was also like a dance team that did the games and whatever. So there were a lot of options for me to choose from, but it felt like the dance company was kind of the best balance of keeping it up while still exploring other college things which I kind of felt like after Canada I was like okay I can like I know who I am without dance now and there was just like so long where I just didn't know who I would be if you like pulled that huge personality aspect away um so it was like a big growing experience for sure and while I was at the dance company I was able to choreograph like five or six pieces you can search them on YouTube if you're curious um which was really really fun (laughs) thanks um yeah so I kind of got to explore like the choreography side um as well which like reminded me that I really liked dance and that it didn't always have to be about placing it could just be about like making art so yeah I think we both like got into way healthier dance relationships in college (laughs) yeah it's interesting like I feel like we both had to like unlearn number one that like you didn't have to take dance so seriously (laughs) like I think we both were like oh my god like if I've been doing it this intense for this long like I just have to keep going and you actually don't And yeah, just like realizing that it was so much more than like a a high silver, (laughs) a gold, whatever it may be. But we do have friends that like have pursued dance as a career, like from our studio. And like, I'm sure I would be interested to like reconnect with them and see how they're doing with all of that. And I think if, if you want to make it a career, you totally can. But we both just like knew that wasn't our path for like both like practicality and like what we wanted in life and whatever but yeah yeah. so there's that so Mm -hmm. I feel like now we can kind of close out by 
saying like the habits that we, the non-dance habits, I guess, that we have as a result of being in that world. So I think this is like what I was most excited to talk about for this episode, because I feel like there are so many personality traits that I have and that you have that like are so obviously tied to the fact that we had this like this childhood um yeah so I just think like the fact that we're both so type a is like it just like makes so much sense because we literally were so disciplined like being lazy was never an option never an option for us um and like we both still like kept up school while we were in high school and dance and like Mm -hmm. if something was at a certain time like you were there um so that kind of like also translates into like really really needing a schedule (laughs) like Mm -hmm. so badly um to almost like a a deprecating point (laughs) um yeah needing to like schedule out your day and like know what's going to happen because that's like how we spent every afternoon ever yeah legit and I think you know kind of to toot our own horns we were both really good students in high school too and I remember being in high school and we had like five minutes between classes and I would like borderline run between classes (laughs) so I could get as much of my homework done before my next class began as possible to try to like minimize the amount of work that I had to do once I got home because I knew I was going to be at dance for so long so like yeah I still look back and I don't know how we did it but I will say that I think I think you're kind of like this too but I know I'm like this Dance really taught me to work well under pressure, almost to the point where I need a certain level of pressure to, like, do something well, if that makes sense. Like, when I'm given all the time in the world, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I've never had, you know, four full days to complete something. Like, I'm normally doing them in five-minute increments. Yeah. Trying to get them done. Um, So now, like, I noticed in college, like, I almost needed to reach a certain amount of, like, pressure and panic in order to do something well, because I spent 12 years of my life in a constant state of pressure and panic. (laughs) I don't know if that's like a deeper issue that I need to work on. I feel like I'm, I know a lot of people like that, that like will procrastinate unless there's a reason to like really not, which I feel like I'm not like that. But I do think that um, like, dance almost maybe like a good test taker because it's almost like getting on stage like you've prepared so much for this one moment and then like you just finally go and execute on it and I feel like they're comparable in that way like I was never nervous about like standardized tests like I feel like AP exams and like SATs and ACTs were always pretty like not easy for me but like I wasn't super nervous about them like I feel like other people were you didn't Um, let like the pressure get to you right like it didn't it didn't bother me that it was timed or anything like that so I feel like in that sense, the working well under pressure thing is true. Um, And yeah, I just, I actually got an interview question, like, kind of asking what is like, a good trait that sometimes affects your life negatively. (laughs) Um, And I said, being so disciplined. And they said, they said, they were like, so like, why, why are you like that? Like, can you tell me about like a time in your life that like you think is the reason you're so disciplined? And I was like, oh boy, (laughs) it's like, let me tell you, (laughs) competitive dance, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. Um, Another one, and this is one that my mom pointed out to me, because I've always had a pretty good memory. Like, I've never had issues. Like, if we had a test in school, say, that, like, you had to, like, memorize vocab words, like, that was always so easy to me. And my mom was like, well, think about it. Like, how many dances did you have to memorize each Mm -hmm. year? And you were doing it year after year, and that's not including 
like variations that you have to memorize for class, combinations that you memorize for class. Like dance is almost like 50% memory. Based, yeah. I would feel like. And how many times did we like show up to the studio at 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning and have to know an entire dance like five hours later and remember it to be able to compete? Like, you know what I mean? You're just putting mm-hmm. a lot of like, um, it's like a giant memory game. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like I have a good memory now. I feel like I probably do too, but it's hard to know because I've never been in someone else's head with a bad memory, if that makes sense. Like, I don't really have anything to compare to as far as like memory standards goes. Um, I feel like I remember like life events. Like, if someone said something to me like four years ago, I'll always remember it, but that could just be a Scorpio thing. So I don't know. (laughs) It's just you holding a grudge. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, But yeah, and then the last thing I wanted to bring up is that dance gives you just, like, rhythm in life. (laughs) Um, So, like, you're always, like, you're always counting music. Like, if you're going on a run to music, you can't run off the beat. Like, it's just not appropriate. However, I will say, this does not translate to dancing well at parties or, like, being a hot dancer. Like, the amount of times that someone has said, like, yes, this is, like, a, a true public service announcement. The amount of times that someone has said to me, oh, you're a dancer, like, show me your moves at an event. And I'm like, would you like to see Tondu's? Would you like to see Ronda Jean's? I can go across the floor with the Grand Allegro. Like I'm like being a trained dancer and like being a good trendy like dancer is not, they're not the same thing. Like I almost feel like our training makes me almost a bad dancer at parties because I overthink it. Yeah. Cause you're like, I need my form needs to be right. And, like, being a good dancer at parties has literally nothing to do with form whatsoever, I feel like. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, if you're listening to this and you see Anya or I at a party and you either know we're a dancer or we tell you that we're a dancer and you tell us to show you our moves, know that you are getting a full ballet bar in the <laughs> middle of the party. I don't care what's playing. That's what you're getting because you're I'm asking like, for it now. I will prepare some, like, odd across the floor, like – strengthening combinations for you <laughs> to see down the, the middle of this party um I will be practicing yeah. my jazz runs from here on out for that moment <laughs> yeah and it's not that like I don't like dancing at parties I just feel like people assume because you dance that you're good at dancing which like it's true but they're very different types of dancing <laughs> yeah I'm yeah, like how exactly. dare you assume I'm good at dancing <laughs> how dare you hear I'm a dancer and then ask me to dance rude <laughs> All right, so that's kind of the end of this episode. We hope that if you're a dancer, you could, if any of this resonated with you, or we hope that it was entertaining if you're not a dancer. I feel like people, a lot of people are just curious about dance because of everything they see like in the media and stuff like that. So maybe this was clarifying uh, for some stereotypes or we probably confirmed some and we probably dispelled some, but um, yeah, I feel like it was fun to talk about, kind of relive the glory days. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. And I think it's important to note that we both um, regard dance in a very fond way and look back at our time at the studio in a fond way. Because I know we talked about some of like the negative aspects, but the positives for us definitely outweighed the negatives if that wasn't made clear throughout the episode. So it definitely one of the best things that I think happened for me in my life for like a lot of reasons. So yeah, I would be a totally different person. I can't even imagine who I would be if I didn't dance. Yeah. I don't think I want to know her. <laughs> we <laughs> like don't know really her don't. and we'll never know her. Yeah, and yeah. I also feel like it was just like both of our first loves. Like, 
I yeah. I wonder if I'll ever be so passionate about something ever again, honestly. Like I I doubt that yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, I don't think so either. At least to the point of being that dedicated. Yeah. So we hope yeah. this was interesting and as always, follow our Instagram if you haven't already at two degrees hotter. Yes. yes, and definitely check out the links in the show notes for that video in that petition. And we also always have our suggestion box linked in our show notes if you have any ideas that you want us to cover or feedback for us. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys again next Tuesday. Yes. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.